Hello there and welcome to Loons Weekly. And my word, we've missed you. You may have been wondering where we've been. In case you haven't noticed, we've been a little bit busy with games all over the country. But now we are back in the comfortable confines of the Golden Valley offices. Callum Williams here, alongside the man with the ripest smile in the Twin Cities, Jamie Watson. Um, we are missing a crew member here today, and we will be for a couple of weeks. You may be wondering where Kindred D. St. Orbin is. She is, of course, on World Cup commentary duty with Fox. For those of you wondering, the first game she's calling is Spain-South Africa, 11 a.m. Central on Saturday on Big Fox. From all of us here at Minnesota United, Kindred, good luck. So, we needed somebody of a certain stature to fill her shoes, and we thought we'd get him on the podcast slash radio broadcast, because he's having another handsome day today. He is um, puzzling, he is a joyful Geordie, he is the assistant manager of Minnesota United, Ian Fuller. Ian, thanks very much for joining us. Thanks for having me. Uh, clearly, I will be no replacement for Kendra, but uh, definitely happy to be here. Wonderful. Um, so, we've got an array of things to discuss. We'll talk about the season so far for Minnesota United, some of the latest headlines in Major League Soccer, as well as international football. Uh, but first, let's go back, Jamie, to Sunday. Minnesota United defeated for the very first time at Allianz Field. What did you take from the game? Uh, this is the kind of game that really exemplifies the fine margins that there are in professional soccer. And when you have so many opportunities like Minnesota United had, and you don't take those opportunities, you know, upwards of close to 30 chances in front of goal, you let a team like Philadelphia catch you on the counter. They go up one zero. You're wondering how in the world has this happened? Then you get a good response from Minnesota United, right? Then you level it. Then it goes 2-1 off the back of a incredible free kick from Medunian. And it's 2-1 at halftime. And, and we're sitting there trying to recap the first half on the broadcast. And I'm I'm trying to figure out how we got to this point because it was so one-sided yet Philadelphia were so dangerous on the on the counterattack. And you know, then Minnesota United gets the leveler, it's 2-2. And I gotta admit, Cal, when we're broadcasting, I'm sitting there thinking, there's I'm gonna be kind of disappointed if this game ends in a draw because it feels like anything less than three points would be a disservice to the, you know, the performance Minnesota United put in. And then Austin trustee comes in and, and snags a smash and grab winner and Philadelphia leave with three points and Minnesota United are left empty handed. And I'm sitting there trying to figure out how in this world this just happened. Now, fortunately today we've got somebody here that has been inside the walls of what the, the coaching staff and the players have, you know, processed and broken down from that matchup but i think it just really exemplifies how in this sport at this level you have to take opportunities when they come and if you let teams linger around they can just take one opportunity to come and get you and that's exactly what philadelphia did and fair due to them they walked away with three points but on any other day when a team has 29 shots you'd be hard-pressed to find a way that you don't walk away with three points and that's the intriguing thing about this as well ian fuller 29 shots for Minnesota United. I know it's not necessarily as simple as that, but it must have been infuriating. You must have been scratching your heads for several hours wondering how on earth you've lost that game. Yeah, I think the word for us was frustrating, you know, after the, the result in Atlanta to come back and, and start off so well. Uh, and then, like Jamie said, to, to, to give away a counterattack penalty and then be behind. We, we were sitting on the bench thinking... This is crazy because we were playing so well. Um, and then to continue to play well after going behind um, again after a, a short week shows a lot of character from the guys. And 
to 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 get our goal to to make it one one. We're thinking, here we go, we're gonna run away. Um, and like Jamie said, you know, twenty nine shots is one thing, but they were twenty nine quality shots. It's not like we were, you know, they were pinned back and 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 we were shooting from afar. I mean, we we had, I think they had nine blocks or something, something crazy. You know, close in and around I think the like six thirteen yard or box. fourteen more or less. I think it was like one off. I think Andy Greeter went and did the the research, and I think they were like one off an MLS record. Yeah, really. But yeah, I'm talking about nine within the, in the six. I mean, nine in like, about about yeah, sixty seconds at one had, point. If you had Aussie's block uh, against Angelo, which clearly he didn't mean to do, <laughs> uh, but yeah, we we were really pleased with the with the the way things. Um, went after Wednesday, uh, clearly not in the scoreline, but the guys gave everything all the way to the end. Uh, you know, going in at halftime, we were still really confident. You know, we, we said win the second half and we'll win the game. And unfortunately, uh, we gave away a late goal to lose the game. Um, but sometimes you can't look at just the, the scoreline to take positives away. And, and um, this was one of those days. Um, I think that, you know, we haven't played uh, as well at Allianz and gotten results. So... It's a strange old game, but uh, it was one of those days where it, it didn't show exactly, um, the scoreline didn't show exactly how we played. So why? Why haven't the team played as well at Allianz as you would have liked? You know, the funny thing is, is, um, you know, clearly we're confident and we're, 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 we're loving playing in front of the home fans, but I was talking to Josh, our, our fitness coach, uh, prior to the game, and we always go out uh, a few minutes early and, and um, you know, prepare the field and, it's just now starting to feel like home. And that sounds weird. You know, this is your home and, you know, it's it's been your home for, for what is it, five, six games now. But it's just starting to, to now feel uh, like home uh, at, on the seventh game. So, um, you know, I think we're going to get better and better. But overall, the performance, we were extraordinarily pleased. And credit where credit's due as well, Jay. I thought the combination of Elliott and Trusty were magnificent for Philadelphia. Yeah, they really were. And they did everything that you'd expect of a center back pairing and much more in those moments where the game hangs in balance. And and for me, the one that sticks out, Angelo makes a turn in the second half, the game's at 2-1, ball falls to Darwin Quintero at the top of the six-yard box. And I believe it was Elliot just threw himself at it. Yes. But what he's done is he's so smart as he's just extended himself and he's given an opportunity to block the shot. Now, Darwin, on another day, would have just leaned back a little bit, lifted up higher, and gotten it up and over both, you know, a scrambling Andre Blake and a diving Jack Elliott. But instead, Elliott, to your point, Cal, really just gave himself an opportunity to make a play, to make a game-changing, a goal-saving block, and he did. That was one of about a dozen that the two of them had on the day, and it was really a, a testament to just as a center back, sometimes improvising in the moment and thinking this is a moment in which nine times out of 10, it may not mean anything, but if this is the one and it was the one this time for Jack Elliott, it blocks Darwin Gutero with this seemingly gaping goal, waiting for him to just knock it in in this goal scoring drought. He's been on in front of the wonder wall, make it go two two. And then from there at that point, I think it was roughly around the 60, 65th minute, you know, you start going, Oh boy. Billy's in for a long last quarter hour here. But, I mean, it wasn't to be because of Jack Elliott on the play. And, and man, that was a, a really, really big performance. And Austin Trusty as well going and getting the goal late on. Thought he did a really clever thing. And this is why, look, I stand next to these guys all the time on the bench. And, and I hear Adrian and Ian scream this constantly to center forwards, really. And this is a center back who's only got one career goal at this point and Trusty doing it. 
you get across the defender, you get across the goalkeeper, because when you do that, Brent Coleman, when he went down to make the header on the play with trustees, you know, we're talking about his goal in the 86th minute, Brent took a look, saw Austin trusty there. Then he refocuses on the ball. It's in that moment where you lose sight of where the attacking player is. Yeah. Trusty at this point then takes the chance two steps in front. He takes a touch. It's brilliant. And then he slams it home. And it's a great play to him. And, and he got across the defender. And you guys say this all the time. And, and Ian, you had to be wondering, not wondering, you had to be fuming and also wanting to give a coaching point of that. That's why we say that, that right there. Yeah, there's no doubt. And, um, you know, you tell your strikers not only get across them, but just be on the move because, you know, it's one slip. It's one, you know, poor decision from a center back or a fullback and, and you're in on goal. But you you also have to give props to to, to Blake. He, he Oh, Andre Blake was fantastic. He's a fantastic goalkeeper and you saw it last night uh, against the U.S. But um, he, he on his day may be one of the better, if not the best in the league at shot stopping. Um, you know, clearly Asani stuck one in when he was um, taking a look at at organizing the defense in front of him. But uh, he he was very very good in front of a, a defense. It's they haven't leaked many. Um, you know, I think they were kind of going through a, a dry spell scoring wise prior to matching up with with us. But um, you know, they're 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 a tough team to play against. And I thought we did really really well. We circulated the ball very well. Um, and and like I said, the chances that we had were all quality chances. And um, against a, a top of the table Philadelphia team. Yeah, for me, still the surprise package of the season. But um, you're right; only 18 conceded so far this campaign for the Union. And for me, they look a real unit. Really interested to see what they do moving forwards. Uh, next up for Minnesota is an away trip to Colorado Rapids. We'll get to that a little later on. But let's reassess the season as it is so far, Ian Fuller. Six, six, and three. Minnesota United stand at the moment sixth in the Western Conference. Happy. Yeah, I would say so. I, I I think that, you know, we've left a few points out there. Um, there's no question. And and performance-wise, I th I think that you you kind of look at a few away games, uh, the Chicago game, the New England game, and, and kind of say that wasn't good enough, and we knew it. Um, and it kind of reminded us of uh, what we'd gone through in years past. Um, but clearly to start off so well, um, we knew we were going to win the road for, for five, six games and just start off so well. Uh, with six points away, um, and then uh, to get to Allianz Field and play against a tough New York City FC team that is showing their worth now. Um, you know they don't lose many games, and for us to get a, a point against them in, in, a, in a new situation and and one that was so emotional, um, I'm sure it was fun for the fans, and it was it was a good day for for Minnesota United. Um, you know, clearly you'd love to be you know, I don't know four to six points more to the good um and, and it puts us firmly in in the 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 meat of uh of the playoff contenders but now we look forward and and that's what you have to do in this, this sport is is look forward to the next one and and we've got a big one coming up against colorado that we know that um our waveform hasn't been good enough over the last um i don't know three to four matches uh, on the road so um we're really looking forward to this weekend to put uh, the result right from um, um, the other night and continue really to, 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 to see where we are as a squad. I'd love to talk to you about the opening of Allianz Field. I think just about every single human being who is in attendance that day in a variety of different roles will have their own story. But what was the Ian Fuller story on that day? What did you experience? You know, 
we all wanted to hear Wonderwall that day. There's no question. But prior to that, just to see everyone smiling. I, I've never opened a stadium. Um, I was close to in Vancouver, close to in Orlando. Um, and to, to see so many people with smiles on their faces that put so much hard work into it, from the owner to, you know, from Eric Durkee shedding tears, because he's been here since day one, you know, yeah. and as is Angie when, you know, when they had six employees. So um, to see that many people enjoying soccer in Minnesota uh, after years and years of hard work, um, you know, I know Manny was extraordinarily emotional. Um, just to see so many people with a smile on their face um, and just to enjoy the lovely day. And it's too bad that we didn't get to sing Wonderwall, but uh, I'll never forget those moments. Well, don't discredit yourself, too. You were here before MLS as well, the last season that the club was in NASL. So you know what it was like going from an NASL era, which, to be fair, we were looked after incredibly well for an NASL team. But having said that, the discrepancy between the standards of NASL and MLS are night and day. And so you were a part of it before it was easy to and sexy to, to like Minnesota United because of the brand new stadium and the MLS and, and everything. So it had to be even mean something a little special to you as no, well. No, absolutely. And, and to be honest, you had no guarantee you were going to be a part of the MLS no team question. as well when there's you were no going to come in. And there was a bit of sweetness there, but uh, it's never about the coaching staff or whatever. It's about the players and the people that have, have put, um, you know, Minnesota on the map, which to be honest, have been, the fans have been incredible. And, and I say that because I used to be the enemy. I, I played against Minnesota yeah. when it was the, geez, it wasn't the Stars. Was it, it the Thunder then? It was the Thunder back in the day up at NSC. And, and, oh. and I would probably say there were 200 people in the stands that day. And for it those was packed house that day then for you guys, huh? Yeah, yeah. For, <laughs> for those people, those 200 people, I mean, it, it's, you know, the Bruce Maguire's of the world. And it's come full circle for them. And it, it, for those days and days moving forward and to, to drive by and be inside that wonderful stadium, it's... It's a tribute to them. It almost doesn't seem real because it seems like at times you had so little with Minnesota United, whether you were playing against the, the Stars, the Thunder, whatever it was, there was there was so little. Mm. And then when Dr. McGuire came in and bought the team, you, you never quite – there was an air of skepticism because so many people had said so many things before. It never sure. came to fruition. And then it did. And then it just get better and better. And then you're standing there on the field right before kickoff of the stadium and you're like, wait – this isn't. This doesn't happen to us. We don't get nice things like this here, and 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 it's real, and it's amazing, and it's home now. And I think to your point about it starting to feel a little bit more like home. Seven games in now, are you starting to sense that the players take an extra level of ownership now of when they are on the field and when they're playing at Allianz Field? I think that certainly it, uh, that is true. There's no question about it. But I think now people are playing for the badge because. You know, it, it takes time for you to, to start to, to fit into a new club. And, we, you know, we had five, six additions and a few subtractions. And um, I just think that the guys are starting to and, – and you can tell the, the other night the, the effort that they put in and, um, and the, the crowd can sense it and the feeding off those guys. And it, it's just – I think guys are, are, are fully in now. And, and that's a really important thing to have in this league. Um, if, if you've got, you know – a quarter of the team that that aren't really feeling it and maybe looking for a move elsewhere then um you know you need all 11 all 18 all 26 guys um uh, paddling uh the right way and and you can you can kind of get a sense that it's 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 moving that way 
You brought it up there, Fuller. What of the new players? There were an abundance brought in. Out of all of them, and apologies if this is putting you on the spot, but out of all of them, is there one in particular that's really impressed you? You know, um, it's. I would love to say all of them, and, and I will say that because they've been all fantastic, all uh, contributing at a very, very high level. Um, but having played with Ozzy back in the day um, and knowing what he brings to the table, we, we, we got a massive, massive player uh, that, that will contribute for however long he's here, and we hope for many, many years because he's a leader. He's, he's, and, and Adrian always says it. He's, he's a really, really top player, and people don't, don't, don't really realize it because right. they, they think he's just a grinder and a hard worker and a defensive-minded uh, central midfielder, but he, he is a proper, proper player. Um, so I knew it. Uh, having played alongside him back in the day, but it, it's it's nice to see that other people realize how good he is, and and I and I think, to be honest, it raises the level of everyone else. Yeah, you know, and and um, he demands so much more. So I mean, clearly, how can you argue against Roman, Roman, and yeah. you know, Ike, and and you know, it, um, it it's it's been it's been a fantastic uh, little addition to uh, our squad. And then I know. You mentioned there you, you played alongside Ozzy. You've got a little funny story, haven't you, about him arriving into the U.S. Uh, I know Mark Watson had spoken about it briefly, but for those who are unaware, please do share. Well, you know, like we had talked about, he, he was with Cuba playing, uh, I believe, in it was gold, the Gold Cup back in the day, and, and um, they you know, had guards around him. They, they couldn't, so he, he basically had, hadn't told his family just walked out of a Walmart one day, and I believe he was, he was in Houston, uh, found his way to, to get his paperwork in Miami. And um, we, have, we had got, at Charleston Battery had gotten a call. We were bringing in one of his ex-teammates, uh, Lester Moray, who was a striker, uh, scored a lot of goals down in Cuba. Um, similar situation to Ozzy, had defected. And um, Lester had asked if he could bring in one of his buddies, and we're thinking, oh, we know how this goes. The buddy is <laughs> terrible, and it's going to bring down training. And... Within two seconds, I saw Ozzy strike a ball, and I said, there's no chance that this kid just sh showed up on our doorstep like this. And we, we pretty much immediately signed him, and he, he drove us all the way Open Cup final that, that year. And um, we hope he does the same for us this year. It's an incredible story. I mean, imagine that just from a personal standpoint. Like Ozzy, because at the time, the, obviously the, the relations between Cuba and the U.S., not great political implications, whatever. That's not the, this is not the forum for that. But at the time when Cuba would play in these tournaments and they would come to the U.S., each time, whether it was Olympic qualifying, whether it was Gold Cup qualifying, whether it was the Gold Cup, there were several players that would defect and leave their families. And once they were here, they could claim political asylum and, and what have you. But, I mean, you talk about in the midst of your life changing and knowing you're never going home. Mm. Now you're moving to a place where he didn't speak English either. Mm. Now he's living in Charleston, South, South Carolina. Well, there are worse places to live. However, you're in a place where you don't know anybody. And now all of a sudden, you're, people are putting paper in front of you, sign this so you can play for the team. Then he goes and plays and ends up being one of the best midfielders to ever play in Major League Soccer. I mean, it's it's incredible. And it's it's a, it's a story that will, will not get old even a decade on. But he's no. he's just been incredible. And he's coming up on... 300 games played, sitting currently on 292 MLS games played. Um, I mean, 
you've been in and around MLS almost from the beginning. Um, sorry to date you there. What does that mean to play 300 games in MLS? Um, it's incredible. And, and we saw, I think, Dress Lorenovitz, uh, it was 300 or possibly even 400 against was it, us. It was 400. 400, yeah. 400 just, against just us, which, 400. Is, which is remarkable for an outfield player. But I think at the level Ozzy has for all these years, you know, he he's never missed the playoffs. I think it was 10 years running for Seattle. And um, to, to stay at that level and, and, and even at this age, the way he plays too, you know, he doesn't just float around the pitch. And, I mean, it is full on every single match and knowing him the way he he competes and uh how difficult it is for him to survive losing uh it, it's it's rubbing off on our guys and i mean he came, came into the locker room um after the philadelphia game and was in, was in tears and um but still you know giving hassani dotson a, a massive hug because he knew what a big goal that was for him personally but he, he's just, uh, he's a special character, and we're happy to, that he's a loon. You mentioned uh, the player I'd love to talk to you about next briefly there, Hassani Dotson. You mentioned he scored his first goal in his MLS career, a decent strike at that as well. Um, I know he's a player that, that the coaching staff have always liked and expected a certain standard from, but I can't imagine at this stage, this early stage in his MLS career, they would have expected this, what we've seen already from him. And he's proven his worth. He's about as versatile as they come. I personally think we'll see him in central midfield at some stage in the season as well. So with all that in mind, how impressed have you and Adrian and everybody else been impressed with Hassani Dotson? You know, first and foremost, he's a, he's a wonderful kid. Um, when we drafted him, um, you know, you, you never really know. You know, we watched a lot of footage of him at Oregon State. Um, and clearly saw him at the at the combine and um we interviewed him and we thought what a, what a lovely kid but you just never know uh and when after week two in preseason he's playing at that kind of level and didn't show any sign of weakness or you know scared or nerves or uh, and it didn't look like he was gonna um you know his his performance would would falter at all and then for him not to play over the the first you know nine ten games and didn't really get a chance other than you know wrapping up a few games and and you know keeping things in order in midfield um for him to get his chance albeit at, at left back at, at full back it's very difficult but it just shows how talented and how willing the player is um and and honestly his his ceiling is extraordinarily high if 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 not non-existent so mm. um we we I think his position will eventually and is uh, a proper central midfielder. And, and we, we have him watching videotape of Ozzy back in the day. And, um, and luckily he gets to train with him every single day. So he knows what it's going to take. But um, there's nothing this kid you know, can't do. And he's got a tremendous future. And this is what blows my mind. Minnesota United fans are going to think he's an outside back by trade. If you mm -hmm. don't really know your backstory on players if you're not up to date on who's getting drafted 31st overall out of Oregon State and to be fair it takes a you know a, a hardcore fan to really get that that to go out seek that information learn about the players sometimes when you see rookies you're like okay give me the quick headlines about them right okay good player you know coaches really like him versatile okay there you go there's your your dot 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 and like you said he was getting minutes but these were closing out minutes which 
also showed a lot of trust. That's right. First game of the season away at Vancouver, you bring him on, and, you know, he ends up closing out the game, right? So then you start going, well, there you go. There's a little something there to that. So, I mean, that was a that was a high level of trust right off the bat, but, you know, that was kind of helter-skelter at the end. Then he gets his first significant minutes in a pinch with injuries and, and whatnot against Eritre Berlin, takes that opportunity. Mm. Now fans are like, oh, we've got this great outside back we've been, you know, hiding on the roster here. No, no, this guy's a center midfielder. He's just that smart of a soccer player that he can go and adapt to outside back on the left side, switch at halftime to a right back, and then gives you another option there. And I guess the the thing is, too, we've seen him in training. You knew this about him. Fans finally saw it on Sunday. His shooting from distance is remarkable. That wasn't a coincidence, the, the strike. It's not as if his first one's a collector's item. We'll never see it again. He's got that in him to shoot from distance, doesn't he? Yeah, he has tremendous technique and... You know, he's probably one of the better finishers on the team uh, and in around goal and with very little backswing. And you saw it on the other day is, um, you know, that the ball didn't fly in and, and, and break the netting, but it certainly caught uh, a very good goalkeeper, um, you know, off his line and, and thinking about, uh, you know, what he was doing. But, yeah, Hassani's got a tremendous upside and we're really excited. And I don't want to just con- consistently brag about him and have him get a big head, but he won't. He's just... He's just a, a a proper, you know, footballer and gets get, gets on with business and and we know he's going to continue to 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 really uh, push himself. I wonder as well, Fuller, was it a, a blessing in disguise as well having Hassani Dotson fill in at fullback because you get so much more time on the ball there. No, there's no question, but you know, I mean, you can see it. You know, anytime he is pressured with you know, especially numbers around him, he. It, it doesn't bother him at all. He's 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 got that Ozzy uh, Alonso uh, type gene in the, his mm. ice water in his veins, where nothing really really is gonna excite them and put them under pressure. And he just puts his body in their way and takes a touch a touch or two and pushes it by someone and and finds a player either forward or in midfield. But um, it's so different, you know, the positioning on the field when when you're a right footed player and you're playing left back and the pictures are so different. And yeah. but you wouldn't you wouldn't notice that he's never played there or that he's you know it's 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 new to him or that he's 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 even a rookie that's such a good point people think like oh if you play right back the same as playing left back it's not because nope. you're you're <laughs> your comfort on the ball now you're taking the ball inside a little bit more you're maybe 10 yards inside it's on your right foot the passing lanes are different if you're a left-sided player a left-footed player playing on the left side well then you're more touching the line i mean it's it's little things like this and and so as a coach how do you explain this to guys because as they come into the league, especially younger players and maybe people that are listening that are like, Hey, you know, I want to, I want to end up playing at the next level. I want to better my game. The speed of play is so much faster. What are the things that you teach younger players and rookies about doing things that half second quicker? Yeah. I, I think telling them to keep it simple clearly is, is helpful, but painting those pictures prior to the, to being on the pitch, you know, having a Angelo Rodriguez that can hold the ball up, it's very, it's very outlet, helpful. Isn't it? <laughs> Anything that comes to him, especially being right-footed, if it's first time, just clip it into the striker and we'll go from there. That's the starting point. Uh, you know, having quality in front of him in good spots. Someone that runs behind so it's it's everything's not so tight. I think that's very helpful for a player. And then to have two central midfielders that can handle the ball that, worst-case scenario, you can dump it to them. They can play it back to you and creates other holes in front of them. Um, and Brent Coleman's done extremely well. There's no question about it. So someone in behind him and... Um, you know, like I said, Hassani's at the moment, he's the least of our worries. 
Yeah, this is the Hassani hype section of the show here. So, uh, no, but it's it's been exciting to see the development of a young player like that. And I mean, you could say that about what we've seen from Chase Gasper in training and Dane St. Clair showed really well for himself against Hertha Berlin. So all these rookies are coming along and big strides made from Wyatt Almsberg, Mason Toy. You saw that getting on in Atlanta. So I mean, the young guys are are they they're exactly that. They're young, young in their development, starting to finally get some significant minutes from one of them gives the rest of them encouragement because then you start to see this is a guy that I came in with or even came in a year after me. The coach has faith in a young player as well. So it's good to see. Okay, well, let's move on, shall we? Because we've gone way over what we should have done there, but that's okay. That's fine. Don't worry. I was expecting this as well with you two, so don't worry. Um, let's talk about uh, a trade that was made or an international transfer that was made coming into Major League Soccer over the course of the last week. U.S. international Omar Gonzalez has come back to Major League Soccer, Ian. Four-time MLS Cup winner with LA Galaxy, of course. I think it's safe to say Toronto FC not been as defensively sound as they have been over the last couple of years, whether that's because of the form of Lionel Simar or many other issues that they've had. Undoubtedly, this is a good signing for TFC. Absolutely. Uh, he's in the Gold Cup squad. Uh, been international for what, I don't know, the last probably six, seven years. Um, won an MLS Cup. Um, I think it's, you know, he's gone away from MLS and done really, really well. And uh, I think he's won a, a title or two down at Pachuca and, and beyond. But, um, you know, Omar is, is probably been one of the better defenders for the States for the last, you know, close to a decade now. So um, definitely much needed for Toronto. Um, I think that any team would love to have Omar and, and Toronto have seen that, um, you, you know, you that their defensive, you know, whatever you say, frailties or mm-hmm. um, incompetence or whatever you want to call it is, is, is hindered them. So I think that he'll definitely help and, and uh, it's a good move for them. No doubt, Jamie. Toronto have had some wretched defensive woes this season. And I know you're a big fan of Omar Gonzalez as well. Yeah, I mean, like Ian said, he made his debut with the Nash team literally almost a decade ago now, yeah. 2010. I mean, you're talking about a 10-year international, guys who's played in the World Cup. You know, I think he's just shy of his. He just got his, what, 50th cap um, against Jamaica last night. Played in Mexico. So he's played against smart forwards, clever forwards, big forwards. You know, we, you see it each year in the CONCACAF Champions League. You know, the the ability week in and week out that the teams from Mexico have with their attacking players and whatnot. So you're getting a smart guy who understands how the game is played um, at literally every level. And now you cement him into that lineup with an already deep on paper back line. I mean, look, obviously there's been, we've just talked about the, the frailties that they have. That was a very smart way to put that because I think they have been frail, but you're looking at, could a pairing be Chris Mavinga next to Omar Gonzalez? It's not bad, is it? No, it's not <laughs> terrible, is it? No, that's a that's a really good pairing, yeah. and I'm glad that we've already played Toronto Yeah, you this year. Exactly. Yeah. Say in the Eastern Conference, we don't, you know what I mean? We'll meet them in the MLS Cup final. That's, that's fine with me. Um, but it's one of those that, like, you also then have, you know, Drew Moore there as well the kind of older, you know, guy who's a great presence in the locker room, very smart, helping develop players. Omar's going to help develop players, um, going to be players around him. Laurent Simon, look, he hasn't had the year that anybody, I think, really expected. But now you're starting to talk about a really good core of defenders, Eric Zavaleta as well. I think he'll certainly benefit from having Omar Gonzalez, maybe not from a playing time perspective, but I think as he makes his switch, Eric Zavaleta used to be a forward. Now he's converted to a center back. 
So there's a lot of depth in that position. There's a lot of also pieces to the puzzle that Toronto have if they want to make a move, if they make a, make a change. Now that you have Omar Gonzalez as well, because there are so many defenders there. Um, then having said that, I just he's a good kid. He's, he's a big boy, six five. And what's not to love about no, that? No, and he's won everywhere he's gone. Yeah, that's a big thing, you know. We talked winning about mentality, Aussie. right? Yeah, that's exactly right. I mean, you can have all those attributes, and you can be a decent little player, and uh, even be a really tough defender. But being a winner, it, it, uh, yeah, it certainly helps. I'll tell you that. Absolutely. Um, let's move on to the Gold Cup, shall we? Obviously, Allianz Field will be hosting a double header in the coming weeks, and the U.S. Men's National Team will be facing Guyana. The roster was announced today. We're recording this on Thursday. Um, so let me get your thoughts on this uh, international roster. We'll, we'll go through the sections of the roster. Fuller, I'll start with you from a goalkeeping perspective. Sean Johnson from MICFC, Tyler Miller of LAFCFC, Zach Steffen, now of Manchester City FC, of course, going on loan um, to Dusseldorf in, in the German Bundesliga. Uh, we're assuming Zach Steffen will be the starter here. I would think so, yeah, and it's it's a good crew, uh, relatively young. I think that, you know, that we haven't really had that in the last probably five six years. Uh, Which is so a, strange a younger from an American point exactly of view as right, well. exactly right. I mean, we're used to having Casey Keller and, and Tim, and I mean, we've had plenty, Brad. So to to have a, a younger crew coming along and all doing really really well in the league, and and then Zach going over and. I think he's going to Dusseldorf, I believe. Uh, yeah, just announced this week, yeah. Uh, on loan from Man City. So um, that's a good crew, and, and I think it's one of the stronger ones in the tournament. Jamie, let's talk defenders, your expertise. Um, <laughs> Tyler Adams, Omar Gonzalez, Nick Lima, Aaron Long, Daniel Lovitz, Matt Miazga, Tim Ream, and Walker Zimmerman. What stands out? I think just the – if you start going through experience at the international level, Tyler Adams, 10 caps. Omar Gonzalez, we just talked about him. He's the he's the veteran of the group with 50. But then Nick Lima, three. Aaron Long, five caps. Daniel Lovitz, four caps. Miazga, 13 caps. Tim Ream, 29 caps. Walker Zimmerman, six caps. This is exactly what the 2019 Gold Cup needs to be. Mm-hmm. A time for this group to figure out how to play against international opponents albeit these will not be the uh, caliber of teams you will see in a World Cup, but this is the caliber of teams you will see in World Cup qualifying. So you get significant, important minutes in a tournament setting where you've got to be tournament tested, be able to ride the, the highs and lows of if you win, if you draw, how the other games in the group shake out. When you advance, how can you progress through the knockout stages? Because ultimately you should be in the final of this tournament and you should be battling to win this tournament every time there's a Gold Cup. But this relatively inexperienced group, apart from Omar Gonzalez and I'd say Tim Ream, you're looking at the rest of the group going, is this a moment where Tyler Adams learns how to play five games at this outside back position that Greg Berhalter, wing back position that he likes to have, and he gets a run of five games in over a month time and really gets fully immersed in this, and you start to go... This is the guy going forward. That's why I have my biggest eye in because Greg Berhalter's system really benefits um, a guy like Tyler Adams who's got the ability going forward, the presence of mind defensively to do the job and the understanding of the game of how to handle this and navigate this formation that is ever-changing, ebbs and flows, when to go, when to stay, etc. I'd love to talk to Fuller about this Tyler Adams um, new role that we're now seeing in, in world football. Um it, it's something that I, I hadn't seen 
Um, I think the first time I saw it was, was probably around about 2014 or 15 when I, I saw Pep Guardiola. I remember commentating on, on a game at Manchester City and, and seeing uh, the, the fullbacks. I think it was Zabaleta who was, was tucking into the centre of midfield. Mm-hmm. And then I saw it in Major League Soccer with Peter Vermees in Kansas City with Zussi and Sinovic tucking in. I remember they had some, some very good success against several Western Conference teams. Um, what, what do you make of this role? And is it something that can really be a success on the big international stage? Uh, time will tell, Cal. You know, in, in, in a club situation, you've got so much time to work with these players. You know, it's day in, day out. Um, and, I, and I know Greg's an extraordinarily detailed uh, t- type manager. They're sending in these guys information on a daily basis uh, about how they want to play. But it's very difficult to pick up an intricate system like that this quickly. Um, and I know that these guys are ex- that are extremely smart and gifted. You know, he, Tyler clearly is, uh, is doing very, very well at Leipzig, playing central midfield. So he is that hybrid player that, that if there is a player that can do it, it he's made for that. Um, but like I said, you know, being in a club situation is certainly a lot different than being in an international situation. And, and uh, I think Greg uh, will be able to do it, especially how detail-oriented he is. Um, and Tyler's probably the guy for him. If, if the situation presented itself and you were given the right player, is that something you would ever consider with Minnesota United? It, it depends on the players around him sure. as well. So it, it's difficult to say, but it's, it's, some of it is, you know, sporting used to do it because teams have kind of found out how they play. So can we add a little intricate piece of movement to try to get them off balance and get numbers up in certain areas. So um, it's just the evolution of, and, and that's why you love Pep. You love what, yeah. what, what Greg's doing here is that the game's evolving and can you evolve with it? Um, and it's just another little hiccup. It's it's not that massive an, of, 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 of a kind of uh, direction of the, where he wants the team to go, but um, it is interesting. There's no question. And I'll stick with you here, Fuller. The midfielders, Michael Bradley, Dwayne Holmes from Derby County, Weston McKinney, Christian Pulisic, Christian Roldan, and Will Trapp. If you are in charge of the national team and the game is coming up against Guyana, who do you start in the central midfield? I think it's tough. Um, you know, I, I think if you're looking, if we, if we can choose three, um, there's no question that Weston um, McKinney ends up in the team. I, I think that he's fantastic at Schalke. Um, I still like Michael. Yep. Um, I, th- I would put him deep with Weston and, and to be seen where Christian plays in midfield, whether it's wide or as more of a number 10 role. Um, but then you've got Christian Roldan, who's also been fantastic for Seattle. So, um, you know, he is very, very familiar with Will Trapp from Columbus. So, um, but I, I think I'd go with Michael Bradley, Weston uh, McKinney and Christian Pulisic in midfield. Why does Michael Bradley suffer all the criticisms that he's been getting over the course of the last 18 months to two years? I think someone that's been in the system for this long, you're certainly going to get it from all angles. Um, and Michael's never one to shy away from uh, a question asked asked of him. Um, you know, yeah, guys played it at Roma and played at the highest level here. So hey, clubs, Aston Villa as well. Oh, well, I'm not sure about that. <laughs> Everybody has highs and lows in their careers. <laughs> that's right. That's right. So I, I just think the longevity, you're eventually going to get it, you know, um, especially as a, as a player that's on the ball as often as he is. I mean, it's, um, you know, you're going to go through ebbs and flows in your career, but I've, I've always been a Michael Bradley fan. And so he's in, in my team for sure. 
Yeah, me too. Uh, Jeremy, we'll go to forwards then with you. Josie Altidore, uh, Paul Ariola, who I think we can all see will be a, a wide midfielder. Uh, Tyler Boyd, Jonathan Lewis, Jordan Morris, and Jassy Zardes. Where, where do you go if you're Greg Berhalter? Well, again, you know, system-wise, but let's say it is this, you know, three-five-two, and they want to put uh, two guys up top. You know, uh, then I'll go um, Josie for me, leading the line. Uh, fit and healthy, obviously injury concerns. We saw him at his uh, his dangerous when he was playing against Minnesota United earlier this season. Uh, I've seen it in the past and and performances before. Then obviously hobbled and came off that game injured and then was out for a little while. So I think for me, Josie is is the one. I think he gives you the the pace, the power, um, the goal scoring that you need. I think that youth is the movement for sure. Um, but I think when it comes push comes to shove and it's time to put your best players out there, Josie is the one. Now look, the argument all day today across social media and and Twitter and whatnot when the the group came out, no Josh Sargent. Josh Sargent was left off the U-20 men's national team World Cup roster. Not qualifying, not a tournament, the U-20 World Cup. Now, why would you leave him off the U-20s if you weren't going to include him in with the full team? Because now he's not getting either. So he's not in with his team at the, the biggest tournament that they can possibly have. U-20, that's the age, gr- age group that he's in and eligible for, for still. But now he's not even in with the full team. He was a part of the roster. He was a part of the game day roster um, last night against Jamaica. That, for me, is the puzzling one. And I really, really hope that Greg Berhalter and his staff, there's no indication that they haven't, but I really hope they communicate well with Josh Sargent because at this young age, now he's missed a World Cup. Yeah. Make no mistake about it. It is a huge thing for a player. I mean, I'm fortunate to play 12 years. I will still say maybe playing in the U-17 World Cup was maybe my highlight of my career. Josh Sargent doesn't get that now. Now he's also not in a Gold Cup, which is a major tournament for the for the U.S. that only comes around once every two years. He's not getting that either. You have to make sure to handle that well. We'll get a test of him, see how he responds to it as well. Yeah. Um, I know that your original question was who would you play, and now I'm talking about a guy that's not even on the roster. Um, I think that's worth bringing up. But Josie, for me, starting, then I think Jossie's artist finds himself in a situation where Greg Berhalter might be, you know, a, a fan of familiarity. Yeah. And I think he finds himself quickly in that second spot um, just simply because what a revitalization of his career he had in Columbus after being dealt from LA Galaxy as an outside back. I'm playing it right back. Right back. Stage. I thought, my word. What and, and a lot of the times he's playing left out. So <laughs> now he's on the national team roster with the coach that turned his career 180 and he's the national team coach. Jossie's already got himself a result there, and he's earned it too with over 20 goals last year. Mm, intriguing stuff. So before we finish things and wrap up and talk about Colorado Rapids, let's refocus on domestic football here in the United States, shall we? Uh, Fuller, I'm intrigued to get your thoughts on the game between LAFC and Portland Timbers. The new revamped Providence Park looked absolutely glorious, but LAFC went and spoiled the party. No doubt about it, they are the team to beat at the moment. There's no question about it in... One, I, I loved watching uh, that spectacle the other night. I'm, I'm from Portland. Uh, I actually trained back in the day. It was Civic Stadium. It was old turf. It was run down. And to see the, the 360 or 180, whatever you want to say about that stadium, how far it's come, I, I was tickled pink. Um, and just to see the atmosphere was fantastic. And then to, to watch the football was fantastic. It was, it was really a game you couldn't keep your eye off of. 
Um, there's no question LAFC are probably um, playing it. Maybe the best the league's ever seen. Um, but uh, time will tell if they can maintain that and stay healthy. So uh, it was just a, a fantastic spectacle and one that MLS should be proud of. The best the league has ever seen, Jeremy Watson. Are they better than that title-winning Toronto side? That's the first thing that came to my mind when, when you said that. If you took that two, 2017 Toronto FC team that went to penalty kicks to win, that they, they ended up losing, obviously, the CONCACAF Champions League final at Estadio Azteca. You took that team, 2017, that won MLS Cup, and you take the 2019 LAFC team. Who do you think wins, guys? I, I, it would be fun to see. I mean, I, I'm strictly saying but what we've seen this year. Yeah, no, I agree. And, and, I agree. And the way they're playing, too. It, this isn't, you know, it, it's it's fun to watch. The, you know, the, the way that they counterpress and the way they attack and you know, the way that, at a goal a game ratio, yeah. it's absurd. Yeah, and, and the way that, you know, he's, he's got guys playing out of position and, and they're finding their role within the team. And it's fun to watch. And, um, you know, clearly I hope they don't continue this run um, as, a, as a coach from Minnesota, but um, they are certainly playing at a high level right now. Atuesta and Kay as well for me in the middle of the park. I, I, I think that it's a, I think it's like a 3-1 game. I think this LAFC Brilliant. team would beat the Toronto team. I wouldn't say they play them off the park, but I think that they'd win the midfield battle with Atuesta and Kay. Therefore, they control the game. Javinko's going to find a way to go create with Josie. There's going to be, there's a goal to be had. It could be a, you know, even a two-goal perform performance from that Toronto team. But I still think that this attack presses so well for LAFC. You saw what they did against Portland. If I'm a betting man, and I am a betting man, but <laughs> I didn't bet on this game. And then I don't know how you bet on MLS ever, to be quite honest with you. Um, I would have bet that Portland would have won this game. All the emotions of opening Providence Park. You know what it's like being there, playing in a game there. I mean, it's it's an intimidating place to play, yet... LAFC put them under so much pressure that Portland couldn't handle it. No, that's right. And to add 4,000 more fans to what we experienced, it's, it's quite crazy. It's but I, I think also we failed to mention Latif Blessing as well. Yeah. We've got a winger playing in, in field and, and up and down and, and the pressure he puts on people and the way he can handle the ball. And, you know, clearly Atuesta has been, been to me, one of the better sixes in the league, if not the best this year. Um, I can't say enough about Mark Anthony K, but Latif Blessing for me has been fantastic. Lovely secondary runs as well, I've noticed, from Blessing as well. So something, again, you just don't expect from a player like him. No, I mean, he's about, I think he's even shorter than Jamie, which is saying a lot, but he's, <laughs> I love he, him. He, I, he's I scored him. in the I, box. I think he does so well for a guy, <laughs> yeah, all the challenges he faces. And by the way, he was an expansion pick. Deem surplus yeah. at Sporting Kansas City. On, on league minimum as well, by the way. Yeah, that's a, a friendly contract. Sporting Kansas we're doing his green card as well. Oh. Which is just... Oh Anything else words. you want to make a more attractive <laughs> of a pick? But, by the way, you guys did not answer. I said 3-1 LAFC team this year. Who would have won? Toronto or of 17 or I, I don't want to make any teams angry, so I'm going to I'm gonna hold off. Oh, you're going to make the, the hypothetical... I, I think LAFC... make somebody mad from the hypothetical match? I think LAFC would win. I think so, too. I, I think LAFC would win as well. Just, I'm going to say 3-2, though. Clean sweep. The mind wanders, the mouth waters in terms of that game. My God, can we just find a way to make that happen? That right? would be wonderful, Seriously. wouldn't it? My word. Okay, let's concentrate uh, on the Open Cup, shall we? Minnesota United hosting Sporting Kansas City next week. Uh, you can get your tickets at mnufc.com. Still a couple remaining, we're told. Um, let's talk about Sporting Kansas City, shall we, Fuller? They, for many a year, have been one of the juggernauts of the Western Conference. Not this year, though. 
a ton of injury issues, no doubt. But is there something more here that we're not seeing, perhaps? Um, I think time will tell. A good team like this, a really well-coached team like this, um, there's no question they could ring off 10 in a row, and they're certainly right back in yeah. in the hunt to win the, the, the Western Conference. So um, they take this, this competition uh, more seriously than maybe any other team in the league. Uh, I love this competition. Um, it's one of my favorites, and I, I, I can't wait till next Wednesday. Clearly, we're, we're concentrating on Colorado this week um, and getting three points away. Um, but to, to have them come to our stadium, which people argue which stadium is better, and we, we clearly love ours a little bit more, but um, it's, it's going to be a, a fun Wednesday night uh, in cup competitions. You know how that goes. It's just it's, it's fantastic. It's going to be really good. So, Jimmy, what are you looking forward to in terms of that game? I mean, I think that from a Minnesota United perspective, they've met three times now in the last four years in the Open Cup, dating back to even when I was playing in the ASL era. And there was some times that, yeah, I mean, look, hey, Fuller's, Fuller's laughing because, you know, he was saying, I said I played. I, he didn't actually ever play me in those games. <laughs> I was there on the bench uh, making sure that I swapped jerseys, you know, with Dom Dwyer, my buddy there, you know, at the time. But uh, I remember you, oh, In fact, I remember both of you coming on for Orlando City at one stage in the Open Cup against Sporting. We had this, this transcends even more than Minnesota United. This yeah. goes with this coaching staff back in 2012. Ian Fuller played that day. We lost the first year to Sporting Kansas City, right? 2012, or that yes, year we yes. won. And then won 2013, 1-0 away at Sporting Kansas City. And then I think Minnesota United then played them in 2014. So that was like a spell for years where I couldn't get away from Sporting Kansas City. <laughs> and they would seemingly win the tournament or we knocked them out the one year. But I think it was more they wanted to play against you. They, yeah, they'd done so they well. They really looked forward yeah. to that. <laughs> I think they rigged it so that they played against Jamie Watson. What is it? Yeah. Eyes got big, the mouth water. Is that what it is? When they thought they got a chance to play against big imposing forward at five eight? Uh, no, Cal. There's no team. Five that... eight. No yeah. way. No way. No. And a half. It rounds up to five nine. That's why I was always listed that in the program. Uh, Cal, this is a team that you know well. Sporting Kansas City. Yeah. What do you make of them in this year's version? Because as you said, they're sitting outside of the playoff picture in tenth, yet only four points off from RSL in that seventh spot who's sitting on 19 points. So what do you make of their season and, and what they face? Because nobody really knows this team and organization, quite frankly, better than you. Well, first of all, th that's firmly debatable. But yes, I, I, I get where you're going here. I Look, in, in my opinion, obviously the injuries have played their part, no doubt. They have been a shadow of their former selves. Um, we had had this discussion, Jamie, I believe you, Kendra, and I had spoken about this on this very podcast towards the start of the season. I'm still not convinced that they have enough goals in them. I, I know that, you know, if you if you think of the the trio up top of, you know, whether it's Shallowy and Russell and Namath, it's it's not a bad front line at all. But I do wonder if Sporting Kansas City had a real abrasive number nine, a yep. proper goal scorer. Mm -hmm. I do wonder if that would help them solve a lot of issues. Um, they've had to dip into their USL affiliate, Swap Park Rangers, to get a couple of players in, no doubt, because of the injuries. Um, I think Gutierrez has been good. I don't think he's been great. Uh, Ilya Sanchez is is phenomenal, but again, I don't think he's had a great campaign either. And I think, look, as well, the one thing which Sporting Kansas City fans have to come to terms with is that the combination of Matt Beasler and Graham Zusi are now the wrong age of, of 30, both 32 now, 33. It catches up to you. 
Yeah. The game has to change. So there's a myriad of, of issues. I think Team has been in poor form the last couple of games as well after two or three fabulous seasons. Um, so look, there's a plethora of issues for them now, in my opinion, and um, it's going to be really intriguing to see what they offer in the Open Cup. And this will be an important game at Allianz Field. Yeah. This home field advantage is massive. It really is important, and I think that could be the deciding factor in this match. Two teams that obviously have aspirations to go and do well in this tournament, and playing it at Allianz Field. I mean, Fuller, you know what it's like playing at Children's Mercy Park. It's not easy. No, and we haven't had much success there, to say the least, over the last few years. But I, I think we've, we failed to mention Roger Espinosa. Yeah. Yeah. That, that, that's a big loss for them. He, he, he's that driving force, uh, number eight, that goes box to box, and he's such a competitor, and uh, plus the quality and strength on the ball. It's, he, he's a big loss for them currently. I, I think that's, that's one player that... Maybe tipping the scales there. Mm. But but again, it, the wrong age of 32, and I bring that point up, Fuller, because of the way that sporting play and the very fast, very fluid, and sometimes if, if players are asked to do that on a consistent Saturday, Wednesday, Saturday, Wednesday, it can be a bit too much. So, I, look, we'll, we'll wait and see. But I, I genuinely think that sporting have a couple of issues. But I also agree with you as well. They have this elusive corner that I think they will turn at some stage. And they are more than capable of going 10 games unbeaten. And, and we'll, we'll see them in the, in the postseason still, in my opinion. Uh, right, let's finish things up, shall we? And focus on Colorado Rapids. Jamie, you and I were talking about this in the office a little earlier on today. Unbeaten in four in Major League Soccer. The last time the Rapids went unbeaten in four, rather surprisingly, was only last year when they had that torrid campaign finishing towards the bottom end of the Western Conference. Um, but they've not been convincing at all. Regardless of who the coach is, in my opinion, the recruitment, I know you thought it was a, a good off-season for them. I think the recruitment for them over the last 18 months to two years hasn't been great. I think if you're now going to go into what is an ever-improving league in Major League Soccer with the combination of, of Tommy Smith and Danny Wilson at centre-half, I say this with all due respect, I, I'm not convinced anymore in this league, but what have you seen over the last, let's say, 18 months? What, why are the Rapids where they are at the moment? Well, I think Anthony Hudson came in and he had a clear idea of who he wanted and who he thought was good enough to play at this level. And it wasn't. It wasn't right. It wasn't the, the case. It wasn't the right players. It wasn't the right fit. I don't think that the... I think they went for a lot of brute size and strength at the back, and I don't think that they were fast enough, quick enough, smart enough, good enough on the ball. And I think that they're handcuffed with a lot of the contracts that they have a lot of players that they have i think it will take time to overhaul this roster i do think that as of late i think connor casey really all he was and all he has been to them really that's that's changed because there's been no significant signings apart from jonathan lewis they did bring in lala sabubakar so those two guys you could argue are significant improvements to what they had but we're not talking overhaul changes i think it was more or less for them a complete breath of fresh air and maybe a new beginning for a lot of the players that maybe had felt that their time was never going to come under Anthony Hudson. And sometimes as a player, you know that you're never really going to get a fair look in front of a coach because he just doesn't fancy you for some reason. And maybe these guys are starting to play for the play with a renewed sense of enthusiasm. You look at Sam Nicholson last couple of games, former Minnesota United man was his future with Anthony Hudson. I don't know. Anthony Hudson was playing him in a different position each week that he showed up to the stadium. I don't think Sam knew what position he was. Mm. Now with, with Connor Casey, it's it's a little bit more clear cut. Uh, ultimately, I don't know if Connor Casey is the coach moving forward for Colorado or not. But having said that, results speak for themselves. Unbeaten in four. Yeah. 
You're not going to make a change when that happens. So if the reports of Robin Frazier being hired are true or not, or waiting in the wings, if they keep winning and not dropping points, you're not going to make a change. No. No, we were talking about this going back and forth during the week, Fuller. What do the Rapids do if Conor Casey keeps on winning? Do they give him the job? That's Manchester United fans. I mean, it's, it's, oh, great. Well, he's going to so sorry. That's, no, it's, you're absolutely I'm right. I'm not saying it's the same, but it's similar. It's, a coaching change can spark uh, every player, kind of put them on their toes, uh, revitalize a room that's just, let's face it, they were they were nearly broken. Dead in the water. You know, and, and to, to get a bit of confidence and get someone that's that, that knows that club, that played for that club, um, and can push him, know how to push these guys' buttons to get him going, and, and he certainly has. Uh, you can't argue about the results going on the road uh, at Philly. That's that's not an easy place to play and a, a tough team to play against. So um, we're, we're, we're looking that it's going to be a tough tough job to, to get points, but we also know that if we do what we do well, um, I think that we're c- completely confident that things will, will, will go our way. Um, but yeah, it is. It's a wounded animal at the moment, and you never know about that. They, you know, they get on a roll, and 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 things are certainly uh, headed in the right direction for them. But we'll try to, to to catch them off guard. And without giving too much away, obviously there's a lot of international absentees for Minnesota United. What can we expect from the loons away at Colorado Rapids? I think you're you're going to expect um, a team that is is. The, the results have not gone our way, um, but our confidence is still extremely high. We, we've played really, really well over the last, you know, four six, to six weeks. Um, and I think more of the same. And, and you know, I, I, I know some people may not like to hear that, but we've been playing well. There's no question about it. And we're going to keep telling our players that because we have been. Uh, we're going to be organized. We're going to be, um, you know, very determined Um and I think this is this is the time that we we write and write the ship and, and turn it around. Finally, Jeremy Watson, your thoughts on, on what we could expect? No doubt. I, I think is it right to say that people would be expecting a victory here, looking at the standings? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think this is a game that Minnesota United will fancy their chances of going and winning, and this is a game that you know you should win. And then I think without putting, there's no disclaimer of saying this is a must win. Look, let's keep it in perspective. Sure. This is game 16 of 34. Yes. Right. Points will be one points will be dropped from here on out. But I do think that this is a game right now with a team in Colorado that doesn't know their identity, who they are, what their future is. Some guys are, are playing for the moment. Now they're, they're not knowing if they have a future with the club, if they're, you know, settled, unsettled, whatever it is, the wounded animal, line that fuller dropped is is probably the most perfect way to put it because it is just that a wounded animal that could pitter out or it's a wounded animal that's going to fight and scrap right now because they've got no other option right and so which team you're going to see i think that's the big question mark from colorado but i think if minnesota united go and impose their style of play you get ozzy you get yawn on the ball dominating the midfield I'm sorry, except Jan will be gone. Excuse me. So um, just so used to saying that, that's that's like a uh, automatic one so much. But whoever it is that joins in there with Ozzy, um, carrying the workload as a you know a pairing in there in the middle with Ozzy, I think if they can dominate the lion's share of possession and win the midfield battle, then they can get the outside backs involved. They can get their chances. And, you know, wouldn't this be the time for Darwin Quintero to go and get one in the back of the net and have that short memory of a, of a center forward that, uh, you know, once you score a goal, 
you forget that it's been a while you've scored. So he just needs to be reminded what it feels like to hit the back of the net and go do a silly dance that his kid told him about. You know, we love seeing that, don't we? Wonderful. Uh, Jamie Watson, thank you very much indeed. And Ian Fuller, thank you very much for joining us. Really appreciate it. Really enjoyed it, guys. You actually did well. What were you worried about before this all started? I wasn't worried about, but I had big shoes to fill. And, uh, you know, good luck to Kendra uh, in the World Cup. And, and I hope, hope it goes well for her. Oh, we appreciate you. And uh, this is what happens when you turn us down for a television interview. So You get an hour long with us. <laughs> Ian Fuller, thanks very much. And thanks very much to our producer, Tyson Hill, as well. And you can join us, of course, on Fox Sports North on Saturday evening, 6.30 for Minnesota United away at Colorado Rapids. As always, thank you so much for joining us. You've been listening to a Minnesota United production.